0: We are going to kick off a a little series called Uncertain. Uncertain, you can see it in the bottom corner here. And I don't know about you, but it almost feels like the more people I speak to about this new year, I've been around for, um, how old am I? 27. I've been around for 27 new years. and, um, (laughs) And of my 27 new years, minus a couple that I can't remember from being a child... It almost seems that there's like a lot of excitement around the New Year's. People make these resolutions and people are quite (laughs) hopeful of the future. But this year seemed to be a little bit different. I don't know if you noticed this. Maybe it's just the people I've been speaking to. But over the last couple of years, obviously it's been a very rocky time. And if the last couple of years has taught us anything, it was most likely that nothing is sure. Okay, so we would like to plan our entire lives. And then you have this experience uh, with COVID and the pandemic and all of the craziness of that. You have this experience that all of a sudden, the things that I planned didn't mean anything anymore. So it was like there was this almost like a tentative feeling around 2023, where people were like, I kind of think I know what I want or what I want to see or whatever it might have been for people. But there was this, but we'll see, won't we? Who knows? It was like everyone caveated their New Year's resolution with, but I guess we'll see. It was like this general feeling of uncertainty. Speaking to uh, some people who are looking to buy a house and they were saying we just don't know because the the interest rates are so up and down and the house prices are dropping, but also things are getting more expensive. And again, it just seems like this feeling of uncertainty, almost like we're all stuck in this little box of hmm, what's going to happen. What does the future look like? And often we can stand in these places, this feeling of uncertain of the future, uncertain of ourselves, uncertain of God, uncertain of what he's asked us to do. And this feeling of uncertainty often stops us in our tracks. I asked, um, I think she's here this morning, Marita. I asked Marita how her her Christmas on New Year was, and she said, yeah, have you ever done an escape room? And I said, no, I've never done an escape room. And she was telling me about Uh, the escape room thing. So I'm obsessed with escape rooms at the moment. And has anyone ever done an escape room? Okay, we've got some, we've got some avid escapees in the room. (laughs) I like it. Well, the general idea of an escape room is that you get placed into this room willingly with consent and they lock the door. And in this room are various tools and riddles and puzzles that you have to solve in order to get out of the room or get into the next room to escape from that now the the ultimate idea of an escape room is to what escape escape exactly so the interesting thing about escape rooms that i've come to learn is this the idea of an escape room is to get out but when you're in the room The worst possible thing you can do is to just sit there and hope that you get out. Sit there and moan and complain and stare at the door and just wait for the next thing to happen, right? I haven't done an escape room, but I assume that actually if you want to escape the room, the very best thing that you can do is get very familiar with the room. Is learn the room, understand the room, be present in the room, look around the room. Get tactile with the room. Start looking at things differently. Everything you have to escape this room is right around you. So the best possible thing you can do in an escape room is open your eyes, look around, be present in this room. Rather than sit and complain at the minimum wage worker outside who's completely rethinking his university degree. no one's gonna let you I mean there is a time limit you're not locked in there forever so I'm told (laughs) the idea is to escape and the only way you escape is by moving through the room and the thing is you and I in our lives when we find ourselves in these exact same positions the exact same rooms in our life where we just look around everything just feels different we look around and think the things I thought I was good at, I'm not 100% sure. The things that I thought were my anchors, I'm not 100% sure anymore. The, the future just looks a little bit shaky and we find ourselves stood still, looking around, wondering what it is that we should do. And many of us, just like that escape room, will stand there and stare at the door and hope. And often pray, God, would you get me out of this place of uncertainty? God, will you... God, will you take me out of this place? I really don't want to be here anymore. And we almost reject everything around us and we want to just be lifted out of this place. But the problem is we stand at the beginning of this new year. We will find ourselves in places of uncertainty time and time again, whether it's on such a mass level like today, whether it's on a personal level, you, just, you might look at your family or a relationship or whatever it might be and just feel Uncertain. How do we react to uncertainty? The best thing we can do is be present and look around. So I want to look at a passage in scripture. Because this same story, this same feeling of uncertainty, this same picture of this escape room where we're stood there looking at the door is exactly where the children of Israel ended up uh, in the prophet of Jeremiah's whole journey with them. So we're gonna turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to read from verses 5 to 9. And we're going to look at how God is teaching the children of Israel how to deal with uncertainty. And I believe that this will speak exactly into where we stand. And maybe you're here this morning feeling like, well, I don't really feel like that. I don't really feel like that's what's going on. But I want to encourage you, we will all go through these, these places and times and places in our life. We will all find ourselves stood still, wondering what is next. So this is what the prophet Jeremiah said to the children of Israel. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Now you might be like, strange passage to read out in the new year. But we're on a journey through this. I think this is really profound. And I think this could help us a lot in this time. A little bit of context for us. This is what's known as the Babylonian exile. So this is when the children of Israel, so God's holy people, had continued to reject God. They'd continued to turn their back on God and live their lives in their own way. And God wanted to teach them a lesson. And he ultimately sent them out of their land into this place called Babylon. Now, for those of you who know, Babylon was a very brutal place. It could not have been any further from Jewish custom. They believed in multiple gods. They were a very, very heavy nation. They almost hated the Jews. So imagine going from a place where, you're, where you believe you're supposed to be. You believe this is where I'm supposed to stay. This is, this is the land I'm supposed to live in. And next minute, the God who's supposed to be faithful to you sends you into a land that is unknown. And you... Stand there looking at the future, unsure about what is going to happen. You feel like you're in the wrong place. It's like Israel had been picked up and dropped into an escape room that they're stood there going, We don't recognise anything. This is not the place that we are supposed to be. This is not the future that God had for us. So they're stood there looking at this murky future, looking at surroundings that they just could not understand. God told them through the prophet that, look, this was when they were back in Judah. He said, don't have children because it's going to be pointless from what you were about to experience. Okay, so they're they're in this place where they're like, what's going to happen? Are we going to decrease? Are we going to all die out? Are we going to die in slavery? And then the prophet Jeremiah comes along and he encourages them with what God has said to the children of Israel, which is this passage. Now, what I want to do this morning, I want to give you some some principles to get out of this escape room that we call uncertainty, or at least give you some principles to navigate these escape rooms that we find ourselves in, in times where the future is uncertain, where our purpose is uncertain, where what we are doing next is uncertain. And this is exactly what Jeremiah does for the children of Israel, for the nation of Israel. He gives them some principles. He tells them what to do so that they can navigate uncertainty. So the first thing he tells them is this. And this is our first principle for you and I when it comes to these times in our life. Be in the room. Be in the room. In other words, start where you are. Start right where you are. How many times have you and I looked at a season of our life and gone, if only I was just somewhere back. If only I had... This, if only I was in this position and I looked like this, and we stand there and we stare at the door of the if onlys. And our life begins to stop and get stagnant. But this is what Jeremiah says to Israel. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat produce. And then he says, marry. Have children, have your children marry, let them have children. In other words, this is what he says in summary, multiply there and do not decrease. Hold up context for a second. The children of Israel are stood in a place that could not be further from where they belonged. It was not the ideal scenario for them. It was not a certain place for them. And the prophet comes along and says, I want you to settle down. Put down roots and learn to live Mm -hmm. where it seems like you don't belong. In other words, build houses in Babylon. Now, the children of Israel would have been listening to this going, but we don't belong here. Why would we build houses? Why would we build a life here? We need to be back where we came from. We need to be back in the right place. Mm -hmm. And the prophet says, build houses where you are and settle. In other words, he encourages them. Be where you are. Start in the position that you are in. Right now, it's almost like God was teaching them resilience in their exile. It was like, look, life is not always going to be the way you think it is, so you might as well learn to be who God has made you to be in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. God was teaching them resilience. Build houses in Babylon. And many of you will find yourselves in your life in these places that could not look further from ideal but God told me I was going to do this, and my life does not look like that right now. I want to encourage you, be where you are. The only way you get out of the escape room is by being in the escape room and being present. Be in the room. The longer you spend staring at that door, the more resentful you will become, the more frustrated you will become, the more disenfranchised with God and the idea of purpose you will become, I want to encourage you have everything you need just like Holly said you have everything you need to start this year right where you are yeah. God has given you everything you need and did you know it is possible to grow and thrive <coughs> in places that seem far from it yeah. do we not serve the God the passage Holly read out already I didn't even know you're reading this out The God that we serve, he says, I I will create highways in the wilderness. I will cause green plants to be evergreen throughout the year in the wilderness and the desert. I will cause streams to rise up in drought seasons. Okay, we serve a God who can give us strength in the midst of our weakness. But yet how often do we say, God, I need you to change this circumstance so everything can be okay. And God is there saying, well, I want to change you through this circumstance I want to teach you to be resilient because life is not always going to look how we expect and the quicker we learn to be who God has called us to be the quicker we will become the people he's designed us to be that's an exciting prospect because how many of us stand there and think if only if only if only life looked like well there's good news for us there's hope in the seasons of uncertainty Hey, you don't need to be anywhere other than you are right now. Start where you are. This is your life right now. And God wants to move through you. I want to encourage you, what does this look like? Give yourself to this season. Okay, be present in the job that you hate. Because what if your presence in this job that you hate is going to open up the door for the next season? But the longer you stand there and resent it, the longer God is gonna keep you in that place. Be where you are, start where you are. I wanna ask you a few questions just to help you frame this. What is in your hands right now? Are you stewarding what God has currently given you? Or are you stood there waiting for the next thing to happen? When Holly mentioned about the word new, often in scripture, new means something different to how we would understand new when we understand new we understand it to often mean a replacement of it so you're going to get a new car it's like you get one that is different than the one before us and it is a replaced but often in scripture the word new means to be refreshed it is to restore something to greater than its former glory now when we read that god is doing a new thing don't you perceive it it's often He revitalizes and restores something that is already in your hands. My question is what is in your hands and are you stewarding what he's given you? Because you have everything you need. My encouragement is be in the room. The second principle that Jeremiah gives to the children of Israel and my second principle for us when we find ourselves in those escape rooms of uncertainty is this, don't resent the room. Don't resent the room. I've been in seasons of my life where I've been sat in a place and I have hated every single minute of it. I remember there was times when I was driving to Manchester every single day to go to uni, stuck in three-hour traffic, sat there going, why am I here? What am I doing? And the amount of time I wasted complaining. And moaning to God about the season that he had me in. God, if only there was a university closer. If only I could have done this online. If only there was no traffic. If only I'd set off earlier. Blah, blah, blah. But we do that, don't we? God, if only I had taken that other job. God, if only we'd moved to that house. God, if only the economy hadn't turned out. If only that, whatever, fill in the blank. Don't resent the room. This is what Jeremiah says in verse 7. And this is, this is interesting given the context. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Again, the Jews had this, had this very, very strict rule and like ceremonial purity stuff around cleanliness. And the Babylonians were seen as unclean and unholy, and they were not to mix in any normal circumstances. And then the God of the Jews comes and tells them, I have sent you into exile because you've been sinning. Now, I want you to pray for the land of Babylon. And in fact, more so than just pray for its welfare, pray for it to thrive. I am going to place its rising and your rising hand in hand. Now, the Jews would have been like, sorry, what? You want us to pray for Babylon? Not only do you want us to pray for Babylon, but you want us to invest our money and build houses and build lives here in Babylon. That's what the prophet said to him. Pray for this city's welfare. Now, that will change your spirit when you find yourself in a job that you hate. And you hear these same words, pray for the welfare of the job that you hate. But God, don't you realize what they've done? Now, I want to caveat this whole, this whole thought with you have to have boundaries in your life. This is not applying to situations that are harmful and toxic and dangerous. I'm not talking about relationships that you shouldn't be in and engaging in things that are harmful to you. I want to caveat that. There are some things that you should get out of. There are some things that you should run from. But when we find ourselves in places of discomfort, that feel uncertain, that are not toxic for our souls, don't resent the room. My challenge to you is God wants to change you in the midst of this uncertainty. Learn to pray for the thing that is making your life uncertain right now. Learn to pray for its welfare. And understand that God might actually have you in this position. And as it begins to change, it might open the door for the next season in your life. But again, how many of us stand and resent the season that we are in? It's 2023. I don't feel like making any New Year's resolutions. I don't feel like stepping into the future because I don't even know what this looks like. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not in the job I want to be in. I'm not in the relationship I want to be in. I'm not in the financial position I want to be in. I don't feel like I understand God's purpose in my life. I think I'll wait. I think I'll put the brakes on until something happens, until the door is opened and I'm seemingly let out. And I guess you could say you wait long enough in periods of uncertainty. You become numb enough where it feels like it wears off and you get comfortable living in the small life of the existence of the everyday. And maybe you'll feel free from uncertainty, but I promise you, you will be void of purpose in your life. God is calling us to be a people that carry his light, that create home for people to experience the presence of God, to point people to the creator that loves them more than anything. He is not calling us to shrink back and live small lives. But if we want to be the people that God has made us to be, we're going to have to navigate this feeling of uncertainty. Learn to pray for the welfare of the city. Learn to pray for that position that you are in. And maybe just maybe God is attaching your welfare to its welfare. You might be like, how? If God can attached the welfare of the babylonians which the jews despised and maybe just maybe that job that is uncomfortable for you at the moment might just be the thing that god is asking you to pray for i want to encourage you there is purpose in the season that you're in no matter what it looks like no matter how hard it is no matter how confusing it is there is a purpose in this season because god wants to shape you through it no matter what it looks like god has you in this place god might not have put you in this place but right where you are is where you need to be for god to shape you you might be like that's not encouraging to hear i want to be out of this thing i want to be out of this season again the sooner you become present in it the sooner you will see god shaping you learn to build where you are start where you are and love where you are okay you might not enjoy where you are But you can love where you are because you see the purposes of God shaping you into who he's made you to be. Be in the room. Don't resent the room. And the final thought is this. And this is what uh, Jeremiah says to the children of Israel. Be careful who you let into the room. Be careful who you let into the room. Quick water sip. This is what Jeremiah says. Verses eight and nine. Well, this says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. To understand the context of this, Israel was sent into exile and then a load of their diviners, their... their people that would be, we'd call them prophetic people, people that would hear the voice of God, people that would interpret dreams for people, people that would essentially try and guide. They were beginning to go around and tell people that you're only going to be in exile for a very, very short amount of time. God has just got you on the naughty step for just a few days. You'll be out of here in no time and then life can resume as normal. You can pick up right where you left off. You can thrive in the land that you belong in. You can experience the fullness of God where everything is comfortable in the land that flows with milk and honey. They were encouraging the Israelites, this won't be long. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. That was not as funny as that made out. (laughs) And Jeremiah comes along and he says, Thus says the Lord, you are going to be here for a long time. And they're all like, that's not an encouraging thing to hear, Jeremiah. And he says, don't listen to the prophets who are telling you you are only going to be here for a short time. Some of you are going to die in exile. Now you step back for a second. God has just told them the worst possible news. He has said, put down roots. Because there are going to be generations formed in exile. Mm-hmm. He says, Don't listen to the voices of those who are just trying to give you hollow, shallow hope. Okay, yeah. because in those moments for the Israelites, the best thing that they could have been, they could have heard, it would have been like honey on their ears. You're not gonna be here for long. Don't worry about it. Yeah. This season is not going to last long at all. You'll be back where you belong in no time. They would be like, oh, that's so encouraging. That's my word for the year. That's my word for the year. Back home where I belong. You know what? That's so encouraging. I'm going to write that in my journal. I take, I received that word from the Lord, not here for very long. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. I I, I hear you, God. Yeah. You're saying this is going to end real quick. When really we know deep down that the voice of God is saying, buckle in. I've got some stuff to teach you. And that's exactly what the children of Israel were told. You have some stuff to learn and you're going to be here for a while. As hard as that is to hear, you're going to be here for a while. Now, I don't want to come here and say, thus says the Lord, you're going to be here for a while. Hey, because that's not what God's told me. I don't know how long you're going to be in a period of uncertainty. To me, it's quite uncertain how long you're going to be in a period of uncertainty. Okay, it might last a short time. It might last a long time. But again, the worst thing you can do is to stare at the door. I don't know how long these seasons last in our life. They'll be different for all of us. Based on what we experience, they will all be different. But be careful who you let into your room. Be careful who you invite into the spaces of your life who you give your ear to. Because when you find yourself in periods of uncertainty, you will... Often feel yourself being drawn to people that will tell you what you want to hear. Hey, you know what? I know this is difficult. I know that finances are hard right now. But if you just maybe don't declare everything you're supposed to declare, maybe you'll have a bit more money in your pocket. You'll be fine. Or maybe it's you feel yourself drawn to those people who are just telling you, you know what? This whole holiness thing and about living our life to please God. That's more of an Old Testament thing. We're not really into that anymore. You know what? God cares about the heart. It's all about love. You know, so you just go do your thing. It don't matter it don't matter who you sleep with. It don't matter how you medicate this feeling. You're fine. We will often find ourselves drawn to people that will tell us what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. Be careful who you invite into your room. Often people will offer us, and often it's a, it's a a good heart, people say, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure it won't last long. I'm sure, and often these things, we can build our hope on people's politeness. But I want to encourage you, invite people into your space that love Jesus, that are going to tell you the truth, and that more so than that, will be in it with you no matter how long the period of uncertainty lasts. Be careful who you invite into your room. Our temptation will be to surround ourselves with people that offer us shallow medication, excessive hobbies, or even distractions, completely neutral distractions. You know what? We could sit in those escape rooms of our life, cross our legs, sit around in a circle, and sing to one another. (laughs) I don't know why that came to my mind, but we could. (laughs) We could sing to one another melodies of encouragement but guess what that door is not opening or we could be in the room we could be present where God has put us we could learn to be resilient allow God to shape us in this season learn to pray for the welfare of the place that we find ourselves in to invite the Holy Spirit to invite the light of Jesus to come and to cover wherever we find ourselves And stand with a group of people who are going to say, I am in this with you, wherever God calls you. Don't surround yourself with people that just tell you what you want to hear. Question. If you find yourself in that place, this is what some help you frame some application. Who is in your room? Who have you invited into that space? Do you have that one person who just keeps telling you, I'm sure I'll be fine yeah, I know I know. You see, you're see, you saying your faith's a bit shaky at the moment. Don't worry about it. It's all good. I'm sure it'll get back. Or have you got someone in your room who's going to put their arm around you and say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. In fact, let's meet up every Saturday morning. We're going to read together. We're going to go on a walk, and I'm going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Have you got someone in your room who is going to encourage you for the long haul of this uncertainty? Like I said, ask yourself the question, do they love Jesus? Are they going to tell you the truth? Are they in this with me? Do they want my best? They're good questions to ask. And if you can't answer yes to all of those, they shouldn't be in your room. I'm going to invite the team up. My encouragement, if you find yourself in those escape rooms or prisons of uncertainty today, I want to encourage you, be in the room. Don't resent the room and be careful. Who you let into your room. This is what Jeremiah was teaching. Or God was teaching the children of Israel through Jeremiah. Build houses in Babylon. Start where you are. At the beginning of this new year, my encouragement is this. You have everything you need to do what God has called you to do this year. Everything you need. But Dan, if only I had not. You have everything you need. Because God has given it to you. And more so than that, his presence is with you. You know, that verse, I think it's in Ephesians, my God will supply all of my needs. Might be Philippians. Okay, when we read this, and we also read that one, it is in Ephesians, We said, God will grant us the desires of our heart. We often take this to mean that if we create our Christmas list, we post it through the letterbox, then God will give us all of these earthly things that we want. Now, God does know what is going on in your heart, but the, the real translation of that passage is this. God will grant you the desires of your heart if if the desires of your heart are Him. If you make the desire of your heart the presence of God God will grant you that in an instant. If you have the presence of God with you you have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. You've been made in the image of with an intention, with a design to follow the callings of God for your life. Okay, your purpose is to be in relationship with God. Your purpose is to to know God and be known by Him. But every single one of us has callings that God has played. They're like assignments. They're like things He's given us to do. You have everything you need to be able to do what God has called you to do. And much of life is spent answering that question. Who am I? talk a lot about what it is we want to do and talk a lot about what it is that we want to put our minds to, but much of our life is really spent, if we're honest, asking that question or answering that question, who am I? And first and foremost, you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what he has called you to do. First and foremost, that is your identity. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are Christ's handiwork. Lungs. every single one of you, whether you feel like it right now or not, you are. And God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to live a human life, to take on our sin and our shame as he hung on a cross, to lay in a tomb for three days to satisfy the holiness of God. And three days later, he rose again to demonstrate his power over death to give us a hope